Welcome to Wednesdays Together. We're so glad you've taken out time of your busy week to join us again as we continue our series entitled Christians at Our Best. And I'd like to open with a simple question for you. Have you ever known someone who was a hothead? <laughs> um, have you ever uh, met someone who they just get angry, really angry and everybody knows about it? And when you are around that kind of person, do you just kind of get a little bit of anxiety or, or maybe just try to avoid that person altogether? Those people are usually pretty easy to spot, right? In the room, in the crowd, online, anywhere, right? Um, but there's also another kind of mad that might not be as easy to identify. Have you ever met someone who gets mad or offended all the time? But maybe they're not quite so outspoken with their anger, so you you don't really even know what's going on. You might be able to sense that there's a little something, or, or maybe you don't because they they keep everything so uh, close to the vest until they erupt <laughs> um, like a volcano. And when it all comes out, ooh, that's <laughs> it, it's pretty bad too in that regard, right? You know, it it really it really doesn't matter when we're talking about anger. Uh, we can you can kind of laugh at those things, or you could even think, "Oh, is she talking about me? Am I am I that person?" Uh, here's here's the truth that we know about anger. Anger is a universal emotion. What do I mean by that? I mean we all face anger. We all face dealing with our anger and how we will manage our anger appropriately. And it really does seem that in difficult times, particularly um, in difficult times, like, like what we've experienced recently, dealing with anger can become even more challenging for people. And, you know, it, it's not a sin to be angry, right? The Bible tells us to be angry and sin not. So it is possible to be angry without committing sin, but our anger absolutely can lead us to sin without, <laughs> without surrendering that over to God. You know, as Christians in a hostile world, there are so many things that could incite anger inside of us, but we must never lose sight of love especially when we are angry. Because if we are not careful, our anger can become a destructive fire that divides and destroys our communities. You see, as Christians, we are called to be angry at sin and evil. But as Christians, we must make sure that our anger reflects God's holiness and God's justice rather than our anger reflecting the outrage of this world. Now, this is a lot easier said and done for sure for most of us. And this kind of obedience, this kind of surrender with anger and giving that over to God, it absolutely will take humility self-control because even our anger must be surrendered to God for the benefit of his kingdom. We give it over to him and say, God, I'm angry about this. Now redeem this in me and use that passion in me for your glory. And it tells us in James chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 some just 
something that is so insightful and then so relevant when we are thinking about how we deal with anger. It reads, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Now, I'd love to unpack this passage with you just a little bit here before we move forward. Uh, One of the first things James says here is, hey, be slow to anger. He doesn't say don't ever get angry, but he says be slow to anger, slow to speak. And and we can um, infer here that he is saying slow to speak when you are angry. Because for many of us, when we get angry, you know, some people will say, um, some people will say, oh man, I was in this, you know, I was in this stressful situation. This came up and all these thoughts came to my mind after the fact. Like when I got home, I was thinking, oh, I wish I would have thought of that in, in the moment. And I could have said this. Um, then there are other people who, <laughs> for whom they are in the moment and every thought comes at them so quickly and it's difficult to restrain or to hold those things in. And and those people may be thinking, I wish I didn't get those thoughts in the moment. I wish, um, I wish my filter didn't have to work so hard. So James is calling us to be slow to anger, slow to speak, receiving the word of God as we've been taught. And, and he gives a powerful insight that says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay? So it doesn't matter how angry we get, we can't we can't bring about righteousness in someone else or in a situation. You can think of it in this regard. It's kind of like um uh when uh, in, during Jesus' time, um Rome was was a very stern ruler, right? And they enforced justice and many times it was enforced in a harsh way. And you know, you can beat people into submission, but not with love. And and that is not God's way. I've said this before, and I'll say it again tonight because I, I think it bears repeating. It's not helpful to anybody, certainly not to God's kingdom, if we are more concerned with being right than having a right spirit. You might win a battle. You absolutely may win the battle um, of, of words in that moment, but the war for someone else's soul will be lost. And you see, our understanding of God's kingdom is absolutely crucial to bringing our best when the world is at its worst. The only way that we can be the light in this world and we can bring our best in the darkness is if we have a proper grasp on who Jesus is and what his kingdom is all about. And then in response to that, how he has called us to live and respond accordingly in our culture. And so I I would say this another way. Are you following Jesus's teachings and commands when you interact with others? Do you think the kingdom of God 
is being advanced by the way you live, the way you speak, the way you act, the way that you engage with other people. So, so that, that's a way to think of it. Another way to think of it is, um, is kind of this sort of this filter through which we view everything that's going on around us. And this is kind of a simple question, maybe a simple test as well. Do you think the kingdom of God is more about the here and now? Or do you think the kingdom of God is more about the eternal? That's an important question. What do I mean by that? I don't mean at all that we shouldn't seek to bring God's principles and goodness here on earth. That's one benefit of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that we do get a taste of heaven right here, right here on earth, and we can share that with other people. So absolutely, we are called to do that. It's a great privilege to do that. But, but when we're thinking about the kingdom of God, and we're thinking about the temporal, the temporary here on earth, or the eternal, where we set our minds focused for eternity. And that's, that's, that's an altogether different scenario that I'm talking about because as Christians, we know how the story ends, right? I mean, we, we all love to say this saying that, you know, you've probably heard a million times. I read the back of the book and I know we win. Absolutely. Hallelujah. We know that. However, we also know that before things get better, they get worse. We know that. We see that in scripture and we absolutely can look around in the world and we can see that. We can see, as scripture says, the love waxing cold in the world that we live in. There are so many signs of the times that point us to the fact that Jesus could return at any moment and we need to be ready. And that doesn't mean that we give up on life in the here and now, but it does mean that we must keep our eyes above and know that the kingdom of God is eternal. It is eternal and it will not be defeated. And so when we keep eternity in our sight, then we're able to respond to others in love and not out of our own anger. So here's, here's one thing. Here's, here's a question that I have that maybe could sort of help each one of us filter our actions and our behaviors. Are, are we so willing to pound our digital pulpits so loudly in an insulting or polarizing manner when that could absolutely be the very thing that turns someone off to Jesus. Not just for now, but for eternity. And in eternity, that person is separated forever from the presence of God and lives in eternity in torment and suffering. Now that's that I hope for any Christian hearing that I, that should be a very sobering thought for each one of us. And and folks, I would tell you that's not a far stretch for us to think about. Now, we know that every person, every human being is called um to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling as as scripture tells us. But if we are honest, we also, as Christians, if, if you've lived for the Lord for any period of time, we know that so many people walk away from God or never even open their hearts to Him in the first place because of hurts they experienced, especially from church people. 
that that's that's just it's very difficult for them to disassociate the pain from people from God and so many people make that decision to walk away forever or to never pursue a relationship because of bad experiences or hurts or pains or struggles that they've experienced with Christians or in Christian settings now that absolutely does not excuse their decision they're going to have to give an account to God for that we know that but I hope and pray that thinking about that thinking through that lens that interactions with me absolutely could turn someone to Christ or away from Christ and I hope and pray that that knowledge will help us see the importance of our roles as ambassadors for God's kingdom. And, and I, I also pray even more that this stirs something up in your spirit that will cause you to rise up and say, not me. I am not going to be the person to push you away from God's love, especially over temporal things, especially over temporal things. I am going to live my life in a way that focuses on my responsibilities to others rather than my rights and my preferences. You know, the Pharisees, they were so right on so many matters but there's no one who garnered as much criticism from Jesus than the Pharisees. Why? Because they elevated their rightness or their righteousness in their eyes over the kingdom of God and over the love of God. So back to this question of anger. We, we already know it's not a sin to be angry. And there is such a thing as righteous anger and we're going to spend a good bit of time tonight talking about that but we must figure out the difference between righteous anger and our own fleshly response to things you know many Christians get angry they get offended um, <laughs> and in, in the middle of, of whatever struggles they're facing and they think that, well, it's my, you know, I, I need to set these things straight and, and I need to, to make it clear, make it known. And there are Christians who think that in their anger and when they are offended and when they speak out of that, that they will bring about God's kingdom here on earth. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, they, they think that many times that they're going to make that happen by using the same methods the world uses. They think that they're gonna, think about that. Many Christians think that they're going to usher in the kingdom of God here on earth by using carnal methods, by using the very same strategies and tactics that Satan uses to bring division in this world. Now you may be saying, whoa, 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 I, I, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. I don't, I don't think that's really true. I don't think Christians really think that way. Well, let me, let me just go on here and, uh, and try to give you, maybe give you a different way to think about this, to give you, um, what I would say hopefully is a better way to think about how we deal with anger 
in the world around us and how we interact with people in the world around us who have different views and different perspectives. And um, I think that this, you know, write this down, maybe put this, if, if you're struggling, wherever you're struggling with this, uh, put it on a post-it note in, in your bathroom in the morning. You can see it right there when you're getting ready. Put it on your laptop or wherever you are typing your comments. Think through, let this be your filter. Let this be your lens, okay? Uh, but he, here's, here's what I want you to think about. We should be missionaries to outrage rather than missionaries of outrage. What do I mean by that? We should be missionaries to outrage rather than missionaries of outrage. That means these people who are raging and angry and mad, my goal is to be a missionary to them. My goal is not to be a missionary of outrage at them, okay? My goal is not to rage at them. It's to meet them with the love and truth of God's word. And in order to do that, we've got to distinguish between righteous anger and the outrage of this age. So let's talk about how these look different. What is righteous anger? There are three characteristics that we should consider. First of all, anger that is directed toward things that anger God. Notice I said things, not people. Anger that is directed toward things that anger God. So anger toward injustice, corruption, immorality, oppression of the poor, oppression of the unborn, self-righteousness, judgmentalism. All of these things offend God and anger God. And that's what our anger should be directed toward. Number two, anger that mirrors the way God is angry. What do I mean by that? Well, God's anger, it's always tempered by his steadfast love and his forgiveness for people. He extends unfathomable grace to each one of us to repent, to respond to him, and to be reconciled over and over and over again, despite our sins and our flaws and our faults and our shortcomings. So that's another characteristic. The third characteristic is anger that submits to God's role as the ultimate judge. You know, vengeance only belongs to one person and it's not you <laughs> and it's not me. Vengeance is God's. Vengeance is God's. And I know for some of us, it just is so troubling that we don't get to see that vengeance played out or we don't get to be part of that. <laughs> um, but, you know, here's one thing that we need to think about. He calls us sometimes to endure and to accept loss or persecution because ultimately he will be the one who will judge. Not you, not me. Why don't you just put in the chat, I'm not the judge. <laughs> Why don't you just say that to somebody sitting beside you? I'm not the judge. Why? Because that's God's role. That is God's role. To be a missionary to outrage rather than a missionary of outrage means that we demonstrate righteous anger. 
So here is a working definition. I'm just going to compile it together. I'm going to give you a working definition of righteous anger, and it'll be listed in the chat for you as well. Righteous anger is directed toward the things that anger God in ways that mirror how God is angry and is always mindful and submissive to God's role as ultimate judge. Now, this definition, it's a good start, but to really grasp this concept, it might be helpful to discuss what is not righteous anger. And that, my friends, is what we would call outrage. Uh, remember, remember um, this, this series is based on a book entitled Christians in the Age of Outrage. And so simply put, outrage is everything righteous anger is not. Outrage seeks to advance the cause of me, my wants, my beliefs, my desires, my ambitions, my offense, my comfort. But righteous anger, righteous anger reflects God's character. It reflects God's actions. It submits to God and his power. So what are some characteristics of outrage? We talked about characteristics of righteous anger. Let's talk about some characteristics of outrage. First of all, outrage is disproportionate. Um, the level of anger is bigger than the offense. Have you ever seen someone, you know, there's this little thing and then it's like the nuclear explosion is the, is the reaction. It's disproportionate because it kind of is just building up and holding this grudge and just looking to trickle out. Um, so that's one thing outrage is. Another thing, outrage is selfish. Uh, you know that you are acting, uh, you're, you're being part of this outrage when you, you are doing something or saying something or posting something um, because it feels good to put somebody in their place. It feels good to correct that person. No, 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 that's, that's selfishness. That's not godly love. Uh, another thing outrage is it's divisive. It's always aiming at others who aren't in my camp, but you're always, you know, <laughs> shooting bullets. You, you can't see the wrong in anyone who has ever voted the same way that you voted, but you see absolutely see the speck in someone else's eye who is different from you, okay? So that that's, that's divisive. Outrage is visceral. What do I mean by that? It's just this unthinking, reactive kind of response. Sometimes, some people you can just kind of see it. It's just this rage that takes over. That is outrage. Outrage is domineering. The goal in outrage is to silence and shut down others. If they don't agree with you, you don't want to hear from them and you don't want anybody else to hear from them either. You just want to silence them and shut them down. And finally, another, a final characteristic I'll share of outrage um, is that most often, many times, outrage is simply dishonest. What do I mean by that? Well, outrage often distorts the beliefs, the positions, and the actions of others to score cheap points for your argument. You know, um, you see this so many times. People talk about fake news. Um, many times, there's, there there might be a there might be a piece of truth, but then it gets exaggerated and stretched, and so that the person that you are over against with a situation, when they read what you say about them, they're gonna think that's not true at all. Why? Because it's been exaggerated or stretched to prove your point. 
So, so those are those are all um, <laughs> those are all ways to think through this, to think about this. I'd say probably every single person listening to this, uh, if you're honest, <laughs> you you may want to say "ouch" right now. When I'm talking about outrage, there's probably something that we t- just touched on that you're like, "Oh, is that me?" Wow. And I know uh, I know I'm asking God to help me for this, to help me with this for sure as well. You know, many Christians uh, <laughs> they will say and think. They are demonstrating righteous anger. They'll say things like, well, I'm just being honest. <laughs> and here, here's the thing. Even if what you're saying is not dishonest, if we are behaving the same way the world does, and then asking what, what we do, asking God to just bless what we do, folks, that is not righteous ants. That is not righteous anger at all. And here's the thing that we must all come to grips with. This is not getting better. It's not going away. It gets worse every day. So you can choose, you can make a conscious decision every day of your life to be part of the problem or part of the solution. See, right now, I think more than ever, people live in echo chambers, regardless of their political affiliation. It doesn't matter what your views are. You can find, it's so easy to find um, news that would skew to your position, whatever your position is. You can find somebody who is going to play into that. And in this echo chamber, you only hear the same things over and over and over and dig down deeper, more harshly, rather than trying to build bridges. And unfortunately, unfortunately, so many Christians do the same thing. So many Christians are known for what we are against rather than what we are for. And that, my friends, breaks the heart of God. And that, my friends, absolutely hurts the impact and limits the impact of his kingdom here on earth. When Christians become voices of outrage, they say things that reflect the anger of man. They build ideological walls instead of building gospel bridges. And now that we are in this most bitter election season, folks, it's just getting worse. And it's just going to get worse. But we must be committed to pursuing righteous anger and avoiding outrage. Righteous anger begins with a heart dedicated to advancing the kingdom of God, while outrage begins from a heart dedicated to the kingdom of me, my preferences, my desires. And as believers, we are absolutely called to speak the truth of God's word in love. But just just because we are called to speak the truth, we can't forget the love and we also that also doesn't mean that we are called to speak, right? So we're called to speak and we're called to speak the truth in love. We can't be apathetic, okay? We need to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. But we've got to find ways to care about the things that God cares about and then fight for them in ways that God calls us to fight for them. And I'm landing the plane here. Just before I do, I want to give you three practical steps 
for aligning our anger with gospel mission. Number one, be quick to listen and slow to anger. Proverbs 14, 29 tells us people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. <laughs> Please be quick to listen and slow to anger. The truth is that our initial response, that visceral reaction that we get, it's often the most destructive. So what we should do, what we should do many times, what we teach children in school to do is to take a deep breath, count to 10, Grown-ups, we need to do that as well. We need to step back, think, and pray to determine the response that will glorify God best. Number two, we need to reject the impulse to right every wrong. Proverbs 26.4 tells us, Don't answer a fool according to his folly unless you're going to end up looking like him too. <laughs> what do I mean by that? When, when you exhibit self uh, when you exhibit a lack of self-control, when you respond to every poke or every slight or every offense, what you're really revealing is that your anger is outraged rather than righteous anger. You know, trying to correct all the wrong in the world is like trying to empty the ocean out with a thimble. <laughs> That's really, it's a really good analogy for that. Um, and then finally, a third piece of advice is think through what you are trying to accomplish. I want to read this powerful scripture to us. It's 2 Corinthians 5.20 from the NLT. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Here's what I want to ask you. Are your actions saying come back to God? Are your actions just saying, I don't like what you do and I don't like the your actions, your behaviors. Or I don't like how you're changing things that are important to me. But are you as a Christian saying come back to God? What is your ultimate objective? You know, righteous anger, it brings repentance. But outrage, it inflames and it divides. And here's, here's, here's what we need to think about in all of this. More than simply not being angry, Christians are called to be angry at the right things in the right way. We must stand up to wickedness on behalf of the oppressed. Our faith will transform how we do that. You know, a perfectly placed sarcastic comment may feel satisfying in the moment, but I can tell you right now, it has no place in the kingdom of God. The gospel teaches us to lovingly engage even those who hate us and to do everything within us. The right, focus on the right things in the right way so that we can lead people to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so as we close, why don't we just bring our anger? Why don't we bring our resentment? Why don't we bring all of our frustration to the Lord? Because He already knows about it. He already knows every bit of it. Why don't we surrender that to Him? And why don't we say, God, I'm tired of I'm tired of adding to the outrage. God, I want to surrender that to you and I want to focus on your kingdom and I want to do battle in spiritual ways, not carnal ways. I want to do battle in ways that glorify your kingdom. 
Let's ask God for wisdom right now and self-control. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you right now. We humble ourselves. Lord, we are your children and we repent. We repent of our sin. We repent of our outrage. We repent of our selfishness. We repent of our desires to usher in our kingdom, not yours. We ask right now, God, that you receive our humble hearts. Lord, receive our humble hearts in this moment. As Solomon prayed, incline our hearts to you. Incline our hearts to you right now, Lord, that we could see through your eyes of wisdom, that we can have the self-control that you have called us to walk in. Let us, we are filled with your spirit. Let us live out the fruits of the spirit so that people could see your love and your goodness and your mercy and we could lead them to Christ. Help us to see the importance of your kingdom right here, right now, for eternity and help us never get caught up in the temporal. And we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, instead of outrage, we absolutely can be moved in love to the mission of God by the sins and the wrongs of this world. We, we can see these things and we can allow the love of God to transform us and move us to do something for his kingdom. Is that your desire? Why don't we give God praise for that right now? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for transforming our hearts and minds and spirits. And I know this is something we're going to have to pray on every day. How, how many of you, I can't see, but I'm just trusting you. How many of you are just going to raise your hand and say, Pastor Lisa, I'm going to pray on this every single day. I'm going to pray on it multiple times throughout the day. I'm going to pray, Lord, help me be a light in the outrage, not add more problems in this era of outrage. Amen. Well, I'd like to leave you with this last note as I'm closing. It's something that I saw this week. It really, it really resonated with me. It says, Post wisely over the next few months. Contribute to discourse, not division. Check your facts. Resist memes and cheap digs. Create beautiful content. We can transcend the bitterness and be better even when we disagree. In Jesus' name, I believe that we can do that. I can't wait to see your faces this Sunday at 1030 for in-person worship. And so I'm encouraging you to just check your emails for more details. I love you and I miss you. God bless you.